0: Welcome back, it. everybody, to Other Minds and Hands. Uh, as uh, uh, I'm joined again, as always, by Maggie Park. This is episode number 42 of 42. Other Minds and Hands. Um, and uh, today, so we had originally planned um, wait, wait, to have.
1: You just went straight over 42. It's the answer to the universe. I know, yeah.
0: right? Like it's kind. It seems kind of a big deal. Um, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, So this was, this is actually, it introduces a dilemma, right? Because of course, on the one hand, episode 42 seems like a really good place to talk about adaptations of Douglas Adams. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also May the 4th today as it happens. Um, So we had originally planned to have a completely different conversation to continue our discussion of Tolkien adaptation and look at... Uh, there's a, a really fun conversation we would like to have about depiction of dwarves, in particular, thinking, building on what we were talking about about Gimli before, um, and thinking about uh, then how the dwarves were depicted in the Hobbit films, uh, which of course focused very largely on the dwarves, and then thinking about the dwarves in the Rings of Power as well. So um, that, That's was, good. that was that was. That's coming. They we're still going to do that conversation because it'd be really interesting. But then we were like, oh, man, it's May the 4th. Like, we should totally talk about Star Wars. Um, so I think between Douglas Adams and Star Wars, we're going for Star Wars today because it's May the 4th. So we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to do that. But
1: I do about Douglas Adams. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, um, though, 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 Douglas Adams is a really interesting the way in which, like the relationship between the book, the radio drama, and the like, and the film versions, is really interesting. But anyway, um, but that is not, in fact, our topic for today. Our topic for today
1: <laughs>
0: is going to be Star Wars stuff, um, and. Star Wars, I think, is a—it's a, a really—we've—we've we've raised this several times. Like, this has come up on a bunch of previous conversations. Today is a day I really want to kind of sit down and think. I want to think a lot about what it means, like how even the concept of adaptation applies to Star Wars, right? Right. Um, because it's one of the things that makes Star Wars so different. I mean, you've got like. You know, if you've got like the, the Lord of the Rings franchise and the Star Wars franchise, right? These are two major franchises um, and going to be, you know, moving forward, you know, when we project forward, um, clearly there's going to be, you know, a, a group of, you know, five to 10, like major properties that they have plans for lots more uh, future adaptations for. Um, these are two of the big ones, right? Two of, two of the biggest of the big ones. And so thinking about them together is interesting. Um, but there's, there's always with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, thinking about those two things, there's the big fundamental difference of source text, right? Um, and so it raises the question to what extent is something like Andor or the Mandalorian or any of the new stuff that's being produced, to what extent is that even adaptation um and how does that like when you're talking about adapting star wars how does that even enter in exactly what is the source precisely I
1: think where we start to get a little bit muddy on some of the terms too because mm-hmm. adaptation i mean strictly speaking it's one source text into another medium Like then you have remediation, then you have retelling, then you have, you know, there's all sorts of kind of other ways that you can tell stories in a different way without having a core text. So I guess we're talking about retellings or some other kind of story within the world. So that is the key difference that I think is really fascinating with Star Wars, that we don't have this core text that is like a Bible, you know, it's not a sacred text that we are disrupting. By changing something. But what right. we do have is an agreed-upon canon. And that canon is muddier, but that is still... I was the... going to
0: say, agreed-upon might be ambitious in some respects, but yes.
1: <laughs> I said, I was like, no, maybe not agreed-upon. <laughs> the yeah. goal agreed-upon canon? Uh, or, or something like that. So, like, if you do something totally out of ilk, it would be recognized and people, you know, would, would see that that's not canon. Fine. But... The encouragement of the the creators of Star Wars to now branch themselves out. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we were talking about Star Wars visions, um, which is the one that just dropped season two today. Um, so there's nine new episodes and each episode is within the world they're 9 to 13 minutes long something like that or 10 to 20 minutes long so they're short but they're within the world and they tell like a new story of the star wars universe and each episode is made by a different studio so there's a different style for each one yes. and a different focus for each one but they all exist well within the world you could see how it would work and that i think like we we're talking about you know music and dissonance and harmony and it's just getting the music to play in yeah. harmony
0: it really, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. So, I mean, clearly, I think, I think clearly there is no question. You know, think about the categories of adaptation that I was trying to articulate before the retelling, fill in the blanks, and the like modulation adaptation, right? Um, clearly, there's no question of a retelling exactly unless they did a full reboot of the Star Wars films, or like the original three films or something. Um, not just the later on, I mean, you could say that the later intrusions into the, you know, the, the, the later cut, the later edit that was produced, um, was a cut, but that's not really a retelling. That's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would not call that a re- I, I'm not evaluating that's that in the same way. Right. It's really modifying the original or like, yeah. it's really a second edition rather yeah. than, uh, yeah. rather than an adaptation. So there, there I, in general, because of the nature of Star Wars stuff, there can't be a retelling adaptation in the classic mode, but there are lots of fill in the blanks adaptations. And so this really begins to challenge, um, I don't know, to really kind of push the frontiers and to push definitions of what does it mean? Like when you say that something does or does not fit. And of course this is straight into the sights of, all of the discourse about the rings of power, right? When people are analyzing the rings of power and say, or not analyzing, unfortunately reacting to more often when people are reacting to the rings of power and saying that doesn't feel like Tolkien, or that does feel like Tolkien. What does that mean? In what sense? Like what is, what vocabulary do we have to even talk about that? So um, the, uh, the visions was uh, project is a really fascinating one to me because um that those little shorts that are designed and these are so like, it's a, there, there are two different elements, right? On the one hand, these are short little independent stories. So they're not, there's no real okay. connection to, you know, so there's no plot cohesion that we're talking about at all. Right. Um yeah. So that's one thing that's right. At, whereas like with the rings of power, it's not the same story, but there have to be plot connections, right? They, they're going to be, you know, like if, um, if they, were to kill off Elrond, that would have to be explained, right? <laughs> right. So I mean, to to cite an obvious, huge example, right? So okay, uh, so, the, so there, there's no question of does the story fit into the larger narrative, right? That has been built around Star Wars. Um, it it therefore the the Star Wars Visions project um, points exactly to all of those much harder to define elements. Mm-hmm. of fill in the blanks and that that the harmonies and you know resonances and does it does it work does it does it fit does it harmonize with the world um and, and I really, yeah sorry. go ahead no go ahead I,
1: I really hope we get some sort of a documentary about it as well um season 1 was all japanese studios and season 2 is nine different nations so each episode is from a different country as well as a different studio within that country and right. The identity attached to that i feel like that's really interesting i would love to hear them talk about their process yeah. behind it but like the whole concept of it it just feels like they're leaning really heavy into that like fan fiction creative exercise thing like yes. it's like a prompt in class right like yes. we're in 10 minutes come up with something but the difference with this was that they had the executives of the Star Wars team feed into it. So, like, there was a lot of back and forth. I don't know what that looked like, but they just said that they were involved in mm-hmm. guiding the stories and things. So I assume they did that to make sure it fit within the world and, you know, the music was harmonious. But what a cool concept. Just... It is
0: a really cool concept. And the thing that I... So, yeah, that's that's exactly what is so fascinating about the Star Wars Visions project is that... um it's not just that you are. It's not. This is way more than just a regular fill in the blanks situation, right? This is not just a like the Mandalorian was, or Andor was, or you know, or, or you know the the Ahsoka Tano series that's coming, mm-hmm. um, or the Obi Wan series. Um, this is not just we're gonna we're gonna fill out the narrative with other stories that. You know are can be placed chronologically in the scope of the larger story the larger established story but it's it's not just that right these are gonna these are coming deliberately coming from different perspectives they want them to be different Do a star Wars story in the style of your anime studio right or in the style of your you know what whatever it is um and so that they d- they're deliberately seeking as you say, different different voices, right, mm-hmm. uh, to be speaking in here. So it's on the one hand, it's supposed to harmonize, but it's also like not supposed to harmonize. But it's also right? totally
1: separate. Yeah, it doesn't play in requirement-wise to the story, but it does play in tonally. Yes. So I don't know how we do that with our orchestra metaphor, but yeah. Well, that's that's the
0: challenge. So I mean, so to me, one of the things that's fascinating about this, from an from like an analysis point of view, is that when you when you have when you're altering one variable, like if there are two and this is a ma- massive oversimplification right but if we imagine two variables, one being sort of the star Wars world and the other being the style and approach of the individual studios, right the style and sort of ethos of the individual studios um, if you uh sometimes consistency like, if you have the same studio that's producing... Um, well, okay, well, let's just go to concrete examples. Um, if you have... This is one of the things that um, I think we saw happening with the Star Wars prequels, with the, the episodes one through three, when they came out. They were being done by George Lucas, right? So there was a, there was a consistency... In, like, the source, where it was coming from. And in some ways, therefore, in the, in the style, right? But the question is, like, does this story work? Is this a good story? Does this story work? Does it fit? Um, and you think of some of the deep objections that people had to the prequels. And I, I, I totally understand the way in which that narrative has changed in the last 10 years, right? That you can't just say that prequels are horrible anymore and everyone will agree with you right away. I, I, I know that. And I acknowledge that, but, but you think about, so for, to, to cite a specific example, Metachlorians, right? Or I don't even know if it's an E or an I at the beginning, but anyway, whatever, like the, the, the things that, you know, the, this quantification of the force being strong with someone that there's something in like somebody's bloodstream that you can One measure. House. Yeah. yeah in order to, to to determine, like, how much of the force they have or, or how they're connected with the force. This was a thing that lots of Star Wars fans objected to violently, right? And felt totally changed the spirit of Star Wars, right? Um, so again, with those two things, like the sort of the, the style and approach to doing the storytelling and, like, the world, right? Getting the world right, right? Making it fit with the world even where it was the same, like the, you know, the studio wasn't exactly the same, of course, but anyway, even though George Lucas was still doing it, right? Um, On the one hand, on the other hand, a lot of people felt like this didn't, this didn't feel right. This didn't feel like the first three films felt. Um, With the visions thing, what you're doing is the exact opposite, right? Let's deliberately and deliberately and purposefully vary the, the, the things on this side, right? The, the spirit and style and ethos of the whole approach to the storytelling and presentation while having some kind of consistency. Like the question is, in what sense are these Star Wars stories? What does it mean to call these things Star Wars stories? What makes them Star Wars stories? Um, if they're not, you know, I mean like what is, is it just setting is it is there something in style? Is there something about the kind of story? What is it that makes it Star Wars? So I find visions a fascinating like frontier to examine the question of like of Star Wars adaptation. Because I think if we can understand better what makes Star Wars Vision stories Star Wars y, like what was the th- what was the other part of the prompt, Maggie, that you're saying, right? That if the prompt is make a 10-minute video, right? But but it has to be Star Wars-y. It can be, It needs. It should be in your style and in your voice and representing your culture, right?
1: What are the rules that are in place that you have to follow? Yeah. Right.
0: But there needs to be a through line of Star Wars-iness, right, yeah. throughout the whole thing. What is that through line of Star Wars-iness? And I think it's a fascinating opportunity.
1: And who are the people that get to define that? So, I mean, I assume it's the executives, but, like, if they're involved, great. But what what is the list that they have that requires it because it's it's not style you know we have animation with clone wars we have live action we have yeah you know manner of different kinds of special effect in different variations of of mm-hmm. star wars mm-hmm. series so is it just living in the world probably i feel like it would have to just be the setting, you know, when I think about Lotro and stuff, and we talk about the rules of what was allowed in Lotro, and at one point, the game designers put chocolate for sale in the shop, and the Tolkien Estate was like, no, chocolate didn't exist in Middle-earth, they so have to take it out of the shop. You know, it's like <laughs> things like that, like, who, yes. who, who, oh, okay, I guess we'll right. call that. Right. Uh, but yeah, what what is the hard and fast there, so...
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And even like, when you talk about the world,
1: well, that's, of
0: course, the fascinating thing, right? Is that, like, it's many worlds. Like, so any
1: worlds.
0: kinds and of worlds. So world. so, so it's you know, not it's- even, like... It, Star Wars-iness does not even have the kind of touchstone... Not only does it not have a source text of Tolkien, but even when you're going beyond the source text and doing fill-in-the-blank stuff... Right. Um, you, you there's still Middle Earth, right? There's still like some kind of, uh, some kind of anchor there. But Star Wars, you've got hundreds of planets in many possible permutations, right? Um, and different cultures of wildly different kinds and scope to invent more, right? So, was it when you invent a new, when you t- do an adventure which happens on a new planet? Uh, that has never been part of a Star Wars story before, possibly with peoples or races that have never been part of a Star Wars story before, what makes it Star Wars-y? Because it's, it's not, it's, by definition, it's not world. It's a new world,
1: right? I mean, it has to have certain things that you recognize, right? Like we need to see X-Wing fighters. We need to see pod racing. We need to see, you know, blue milk now. I don't know. Is that a thing? Like just certain <laughs> things that to like tick off your list. Like, we were talking about the one episode from Visions we both watched is this mother-daughter race and uh, the the car they're racing against with the two hoity-toity ladies in it. The little laser that comes out is a tiny Death Star. I'm like, come oh, that's great. That was adorable. Yeah, I, loved I loved that. that you're like, so you know, those are nice little leans, right? Like, yeah, nice little nods. But do you need those in order for the story to be Star Wars, or are those just nice little nods that are like Easter eggs? and, I don't yeah, think and there they're... were and there yeah, were but... there were
0: a bunch of other visual nod so like, yeah, so the the example I have, what was the title of 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 that episode? I forget, it was in season two uh, that was just released. Um, but the the thing that drew Maggie and I to both watch that right away um is that it was by the Ardman. Uh, Studios that the by the studio that made Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run, um, um
1: you know, that claymation,
0: yeah, yeah, um, and so it was done by them in their style. Um, and I, you know, I love Wallace and Gromit, I'm a huge wait, it's called I, what I'm am I am your mother, mother. I'm your mother. There you go, I'm your mother. Glad we got the title because that's important. Okay. Um, so, uh, I was really interested to see that cause, and, and and because I will profess profound ignorance as to most of the studios and most of the styles that the other episodes are being done in. So, I mean, I'm planning to go back and watch all, uh, to, to, you know, to, to finish watching all the other ones, but many of the other ones that I've seen, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know the source that, you know, in a sense. So, so we want to talk about this one because we both know, we're both f- familiar with the other work of that studio. And so can talk in a little bit more concrete ways about how, the Ardman stuff is interfacing with the star wars stuff and i think this might help to kind of point to the you know the the through line right how that how that stuff kind of works um i and also,
1: yeah. a little bit more about the assignment it's right. it's just sits so differently that it's just such a neat case study to kind of look at because it, there isn't this through line, but it does kind of lean into the, the assignment that they were given that you can take Ardmen who were all going to be picturing chicken and sheep and dogs and, you know, things like that, but turn it into star Wars. That yeah. is a creative exercise. So they weren't trying to get something that fit perfectly into their vision. They were trying to bring another vision into the world, which I just love that spin it on its head.
0: Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, it was neat. And there were a lot of really fun, um, very Ardman touches, right? Things Mm -hmm. which were very, um, Wallace and Gromit chicken run esque about the story and about some of the characters, especially the mother character, um, Mm -hmm. who was very, um, who was very like Wallace in some ways. The, um, She's like a contraption inventor, just like Wallace is a contraption inventor, and Wallace and Gromit, um, mm. and her primary contraption invention is a little droid who looks very much like R two D two, but is instead a dog form, like you know. So like the the the, the droid is sitting up, and. And looks like and looks like R2D2. Like, so you, the expectation is you're expecting it to then like go and wheel around like R2D2 is, but instead it opens up like an accordion and goes forward on all four legs like a dog. Um, and uh, and is and is this sort of dog shape. Um, but um. Anyway, so so there are were, there were all kinds of nods to, like, to, to to you know, so I felt like the mother and the droid were very much like the Wallace and Gromit kind of analogs, in a sense, uh, invoking those.
1: But then um, also these nice little nods to the Star Wars world that it's sitting in, like, you yeah. know, the opening shot of the mom, she's welding something and she like moves away her welding helmet and it's it's like the Bubba fed mask it's a mandalorian yes yes it's
0: a it's, oh, a, it's a mandalorian stick. mask her her yeah her her welding mask is, um which seemed almost within the story a self-conscious joke right mm-hmm. like like the mom herself would have found it funny that she was using yeah. a mandalorian like you know yeah. had a fake yeah. mandalorian mask um uh yeah yeah uh, that that was really that was really good. and uh, and I love some of the other um uh, so one of the 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 plot of this of this story is the daughter who is like a teenage daughter or uh, vaguely um, um, young woman but you know growing up and and the whole my mother is embarrassing me subplot made me think teenager as the father of she's teenagers that she's, she's, to be, she's yeah. trained to be a pilot as a yeah. father of a teenager training to be a pilot who was often embarrassed by his parents I, resonated with me but um, <laughs> anyway I, uh, I so one of the elements of this and so the, the, the premise is that like at her flight academy uh, on that day is the day that they're doing this family race so that like people from the academy can come bring their parents and then the, the, the academy people in there. It's a fun race, um, you know, for the like, you know, to be like a bonding thing for the, the families and um, a community event for the school basically. And um, uh, so the, the one of the things that, uh, and, and the, the, the premise of the story, Uh, is that the, the daughter who is sort of the protagonist of the episode is embarrassed by her mom uh and doesn't enter doesn't even tell her mom about the family race despite the fact though that like they start off with memories of her and her mother her mother starts you know r- recollecting about how proud she is of her p- her daughter the pilot and memories of how they used to play together when her daughter was little and they used to pretend to be pilots and she was the red leader and the daughter was red too and and you know they would um and of course that setting is like Within the world of Star Wars, right, we have this parent and child who are recalling the younger days when when the child was little, they used to play Star Wars together, right? Which is a very kind of meta <laughs> construction, right? <Yeah. laughs> right? Um uh, I mean, like how many, you know, human parents and children have, you know, played the, you know, the, you know, I'm ready red leader, you know, kind of game with their kids. Right. Um, and so that's part of the story inside this Star Wars world. Um, and then, of course, they end up like, you know, being in the race and there's the, yeah, there's the, the really schmancy. uh um you know, posh nemesis, uh, uh, girl and, and her stuck up mom, um, uh, who are, you know, playing dirty tricks to try to win the race and everything. Um, but, um, anyway, so, so the, the, the kind of meta element, the sort of like this short film is a kind of fan reaction, Star Wars film, Right. Which is itself like modeling fan reactions to Star Wars inside the film, right? Um, But which also is itself participating in the Star Wars world. Like it's, it's trying to maintain that Star Wars through line, through the whole thing
1: because right. when you just step back and look at it like it has recognizable characters we have seen those shapes and those insignia and those armor plates and those costumes you know that those uniforms like all that stuff we've seen before so it all clocks visually that nothing jars it it fits basically what they're doing is a pod race we've seen a lot of that we're familiar yeah. with, you know, with right. that kind of
0: right play. so yeah they they do invoke the you know a familiar scenario right? yeah yeah, we're
1: talking about a family dynamic that's at the core of you yeah. know a lot of Star Wars stories that we've got.
0: Emphasized by the title, "I Am Your Mother," right?
1: Which is so nice with "I Am Your Father." I mean, when yeah. you yeah. parallel those, yeah. it's such a nice both
0: project. the both the sort of um, the effect of of building it up, right? Like to putting putting it in parallel to the, to the, the Darth Vader reveal, you know, in, uh, in the empire strikes back, um, compared to while at the same time, it's also like, it's nothing like a, There's no dramatic reveal. It's not, it's, it's not that kind of story in fact, but, okay. but the invitation of the parallel, um, and the way it prompts you to think about, you know, uh, it, it just invoking that concept in the title, right, yeah. um, overlays the entire mother-daughter relationship within the story with this really fascinating level because, I mean, it invites this comparison about, like, you know, in what ways? So, like, the you know, the kind of deep and epic heroic struggles that Luke has with his father uh, and his identity uh, in the original trilogy is played out in small ways, right, within... Other, you know, within all families in some ways, like it's almost like taking the archetype that the Star Wars trilogy was invoking and sort of showing. And here's how one way in which this archetype works out in real life, you know, when you as a child as a teenager are establishing your own way and forming your own path and beginning to think about building your own career and but you still have these parents who are kind of embarrassing and their social pressures that make them make it make you want to distance yourself from your parents but um uh anyway you know all, all of these things, like and those are like the real life ways in which those archetypes you know work out right
1: Well, and like playing around with that title because it messes with our own expectations, you know, the reason I picked that episode was because it was Aardman and that title. So it's like, oh, that sounds (laughs) because you're (laughs) along the lines of I am your father, you know, it doesn't have to be, but you're prepped for that kind of impact and all of the, the turmoil that's packed into I am your father and what leads up to that and Mm -hmm. what the after means and the importance of parentage and how that defines who you are that's not what this is. This is, I'm your mother, you know, like I kind of want to swear. I'm your mother. Like, I, yeah. I'm going to do this and we're going to kick butt. Let's yeah. go. It's just yeah. such a different that it was yeah. really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it had, and, it, and it, it was, it was, I, I thought really brought in, beauty. I mean, for a short film it was what, 13 minutes. I mean, it was yes. very, very short. Um, uh, but i felt that they they accomplished a lot in you know that like the you know the daughter's sense of her identity and her relationship with her mother and how how she was going to you know how she was defining herself and kind of juggling the variables of the external expectations and pressures on her compared to um uh, with within her own family right and and the and the, the family you know both the separation from her mother, but also identification with her mother. And uh, I mean, there's I mean, all of that stuff was played with really, really interesting. I mean, it was a, it was a fascinating development in that way. But again, the, um, the, I am your mother reference yeah. serves as such a, a, a cool backdrop. Like it just with that one title, it places the entire thing. It invokes this whole other context, which it's not explicitly connected to in any way. Um, but, um, but exactly. yes yeah, so I very 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 cool very very interesting other um trying to figure out the again the star warsiness of it right how do you put your finger on the star warsiness of it um it's hard because some of the things there are some there are a number of ways in which it goes out of its way to um again,'m just focusing on that short goes out of its way to maintain a kind of continuity right um, one in one one instance uh, they're on comms at one point um, uh, the daughter is inside the pod and the mom is outside the pod with the dog robot uh, the the dog droid and um, uh, they're talking to each other on comms and the comms that they're using are the exact same com unit that Luke was using uh, to talk to 3PO from the trash compactor yeah, uh, yeah. in the first film, you know, that little like the little white light cylindrical like- canister yeah. thing, right. That he's talking into there. Um, uh, they were using exactly those communicators to talk back and forth to each other, um, which is, which was so on the one hand, it establishes a kind of continuity, right? On the one hand, it simply gives you this like, yes, I'm in the same world, world defined very, very broadly, right? I'm in the same galaxy. I'm in the same kind of story. There's something Star Wars-y about this because I recognize that item. (laughs) The uniforms, the fight uniforms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're like, so her, her school uniform, her Academy uniform was like, uh, was like a TIE fighter uniform. Um, Which, by the way, it was hard for me to tell. Did you get any sense of where chronologically this was? Like Empire, uh, Republic, New Republic?
1: I mean, I assume it's not too far off Republic because Mm -hmm. things looked kind of the same. But I say that, and then I love the timelines that Star Wars did play with and how even the modern ones harken back to older tech. And so it's... No, you can't really tell where this is. I mean,
0: I, my guess would be New Republic mostly because her flight uniform was much more, um, much more X Wing fighter, um, Rebel X Wing fighter look than, um, you know, uh, Empire TIE fighter pilot mm-hmm. look. Um, you know, with the like black and
1: and... i feel like you could you could probably go through everything in the background and and pinpoint it you know just based on the droids that we see Uh and things like that but that would be fun and i imagine that's what they did you know when we're talking about the detail of a microphone i'm going to assume the studios that they tapped into are fans themselves of star wars because that's who you want to work with on something like this so it really is like somebody said it earlier licensed fan fiction like, yeah. yeah, well, that's all adaptation
0: thinking. is licensed fan fiction. All adaptation is fan fiction. Like, that's... This one is
1: yeah. licensed and encouraged and nurtured. How's that? <laughs> yes, yes,
0: yeah. Um, yes, exactly, to do their own thing. But again, to have some kind of continuity. But here's so back to the com canisters again. Um, on the one hand, that establishes a kind of visual continuity, right? So it's one... It's, but it does more than that. Like when I see somebody holding that up close to their mouth and talking into it with urgency, I don't just think, Oh yes, I'm in the star Wars world. I'm remembering the scene where Luke is talking into that three P O three P O right. You know, in the original, in a new hope. Um, so it, it feels like it, it references like that. And even the Mandalorian thing, right. Um, so like th- there was, that was, one connection the the use of that com felt like one connection where i where i felt like it was actually introducing um that moment in a new hope as a kind of subtext of that uh for that scene that I, such that i was kind of going back and forth in my head and being like why am i being asked to th- to remember that scene at this moment yeah. like what 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 is the point of contact i'm supposed to be making similarly the mandalorian mask that you mentioned right yep because it's not just it, like she was welding right I mean it, it looked like and it looked like the mask I'd have to I mean it was only on screen for like three seconds um yeah. so I didn't get to st- I didn't pause it and study it um but I think um uh, it would it looked like the mask of the um the uh, like the 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 boss Mandalorian woman the 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 forge, the, the forge master yes exactly so it was like mandalorian forge master mask with the like flame and the welding like and 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 the way that they introduced like they they didn't just show a woman welding right they show like whew, the flame bursting out it reminded me of the forging sequences well, they show her as a mandalorian first don't they yes.
1: i mean that's yes. what you see first, and then the mask moves away yeah. and especially coming out two weeks after the last episode of mandalorian season three (laughs) drops (laughs) yes fresh in
0: mind yeah exactly so
1: so Mandalorian's worth like a quick little nod too because when you're thinking about like how we can create within this world and the power that not power the strength of star wars as a source mandalorian yes we have some some books and some some things that we know there was more of a world but in terms of film examples boba fett wasn't supposed to be anything and people mm-hmm. latched onto him as kind of a cult following and it turned into this massive thing so we then got a whole culture and near religion like culture and you know ways that people behave and how they become part of this community and society and the drama that unfolded with that, that turned into an entire multi-season series on itself from this one little character that was right. theoretically a throwaway originally. Yeah. So the ability to build in this world is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just be like, cool dude. I mean like it inflicts awe in me to look at that and be like, Oh my God, look what they did.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's, it's really interesting, but yeah. So just looking at the ways um, that felt like therefore again, another, um, another cross-reference, like another one of those moments where this, you know, this short was invoking this other thing. It, w- it was, it was, it, w- it was another subtext in that moment, another, um, just a- another piece of, um, uh, uh, of intertextuality, as we would say in the, in the, in the literature business, right. Where, where... Um, one text is both working from and with another text, but there's just these moments of, of, of confluence when you're deliberately, when you're using another text, you're in, but you're not just recycling it right you're interacting with it in interesting ways and so you're you're both using that other text as a resource to inform your story and frame it in certain ways like provide some expectations and give some context in some ways but you're also commenting back on it as well um uh, uh so you know anyway yeah the 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 juxtaposition of the armorer from the Mandalorian with the mom figure in this little short is a fascinating juxtaposition, right? Um so anyway, it, these are things I raise this because when we're when we're trying to, you know, one of the things we're pointing to and trying to find the sort of Star Wars y through line, right, of 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 these kinds of things is these specific references, right? Where you can ground it in like, okay, yeah, so they're out there, you know, their pilot costumes look like X Wing fighter costumes from the rebel you know uh, uh, from the 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 rebellion um the uh the comms right the mask uh these are all specific callbacks but in one sense they're way too specific callbacks merely to be like world building just yeah. like establishing the thing it's instead showing how this short film uh and even as you say the the pod racing setup right, the way in which that was also bringing us back to the sort of this the, the the concept of young Anakin Skywalker competing as the kind of underdog you know, little kid Anakin Skywalker was in, in, in the Phantom Menace pod racing sequence um, you know, that too was, was evoked um, all of these things help to establish a kind of continuity, but But they do way more work than just simply saying like, oh, yeah, this is recognizably Star Wars. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it might have been recognizably Star Wars without it. But that's exactly um, uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to sort of figure to, to to put my finger on more, because that, I think, is what will be the way in which these stories interact with each other. The way that they see themselves as part of an overall narrative, not just from a plot perspective, but like the way they interact with each other thematically. I think about the way in which Luke Skywalker was brought into season one and two of The Mandalorian. I haven't seen season three yet. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so the problem is I, I've been watching The Mandalorian with my whole family, like my wife and son and I have been watching it together which means we only have the occasions upon which we all get together to do that. So it means it's taken. We've been watching Andor and I haven't finished Andor yet because it's been, they've been traveling and whatever. Anyway. So, um, time watched Mandalorian season three yet. Um, but, uh, but anyway, back to the example with Luke Skywalker, right? The yeah. way that Luke Skywalker gets incorporated into that, um, the way that Ahsoka Tano got incorporated into, was that season one, I think, of uh, of The Mandalorian? Um, I think it was. I can't remember now. Really but anyway, remember. yeah, yeah. Um, so the way that Ahsoka Tano and her story from the Clone Wars series gets then invoked also in that it's not just about story continuity. It's not just about plot, right? It's about, um, this sort of, this sense of you are contributing to a, again not just narrative. Cause it's not about plot. Right. It's not like there aren't plot holes that need to be f- filled. This, you know, the I am your mother short filled no holes and will bear no i mean there's no story in that that now like but however i could imagine in a future show like that daughter care there being a pilot who you know who is that race of creature and who like might you know like
1: i learned about that or isn't right exactly
0: I i could actually see that being incorporated but there's nothing like in the larger big narrative right in the way for instance that ray's character in the in the the three sequel films um was designed to be like moving the big story of you know the empire and the rebellion and the the jedi forward right there were there were no such aspirations to this little short film or even to some of the shows right mm-hmm. necessarily um uh but um
1: but they also weren't gimmicky, which I feel like is a big difference, you know, like we grew up in, you know, 90s sitcoms and stuff, or at least I grew up with 90s sitcoms and stuff where there were like crossover episodes, you know, where like some of your favorite characters would appear on another show and it would just be a gimmick. It'd just be funny to see those right. people world and that's not what this is this is like believable they live in this world and here's a little element of their story that we're going to give you alongside some additional information that that feeds better into this element of the story and right. it works.
0: yeah 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 um yeah so the the way in which World building happens, though, again, world building on a completely different sort of scale, because you can build any kind of world you want within the Star Wars universe. Um, but how does it, how does it, if it's not plot and it's not um, like literally world, right? It's, you know, what, is it ethos? Is it just like the kind of character, the kind of story that gets told? Is it theme? Um, I, I mean, to some extent, of course, there are, um, there are some things to whether or not something feels like Star Wars, right? Again, to use that same phrase that has frustrated me so often with Tolkien stuff. What is it that makes something feel like Star Wars? Um, sometimes I think it's there there are some elements generally of the star wars aesthetic that seems to me a big part of it um uh like star Wars stuff can't be too clean mm. right
1: like
0: um like industrial so what you mean well no like physically dirty like actually dirty like things are like kind of run down like yeah. it's 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 if um, largely because of the military or quasi-military context that was given to Star Trek from the beginning, right? Um, there's always been a kind of clean, like, cleanness of uniforms, and and uh, it's not to say that there's nothing. To, I mean, it's one of the things that I really like about Deep Space Nine is that it's like a normal world within, you know, that's that interacts significantly with the militaristic world of Starfleet but is not um just a you know crisp edged military production like you get on a on a on a on a Star Trek um ship. Yeah. Um Star Wars has always been grungier really? than that. Yeah. 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 Um and so is you know is that is that is that part of it? Is that part of the ethos? Like, is, 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 is that kind of element of the general aesthetic of Star Wars? Um, the thing is, it, I mean, the, the you talked about technology, right? Certain technological through lines. Mm-hmm. Would there be certain technological advances or technological um, things which would immediately rip us out of a Star, War, Star Wars context, right? Um, something like would- a transporter. For instance, yeah,
1: I think the answer is yes. And it would be hard to define where that line is because there's a lot of things we haven't seen in the star Wars world. So it is possible that it exists and we just haven't seen it yet because we haven't been to that world, but mm-hmm. you have to be able to play enough into the expectation of the viewer that you're not messing with it. Right. So yeah, right. if, if like a giant purple dinosaur suddenly appeared, that'd be a little weird, doesn't quite fit with, with what I picture, but. Right me a world where it makes sense because you've led me with a few breadcrumbs that make sense within the star wars universe that when that purple dinosaur comes in no i don't know why i picked that but then it makes sense
0: right yeah no the, yeah that there are certain kind of that there are parameters for the world which if you deviate from the these basic parameters it's not going to feel mm-hmm. like star wars um so yeah if so so and that's where it try- becomes
1: a game right like yeah it to be like star wars so here's the things that i'm going to have the same way we were talking about myth last week like if you're going to have an archetypal story that plays around with myth then you're going to lean into the fatherless hero the mentor type figure the power of powerful object that helps yeah. them along way, you know and
0: the monomyth is a monomyth for a reason
1: right yeah. like all that stuff will be in there which it is in star wars you can see yes. a lot of that um well, that's a whole other lecture. And like, you know, George Lucas went heavy into the, yes. the monument Brought Joseph Campbell in to help make that happen. But you will have that checklist because it does have to fit pretty heavily into this, this core structure that they yeah. use to build the world. Yeah, And that's where I guess like, I am going to have an X-Wing. Yes, I am going to reference the Mandalorian. Yes, I am going to have a Death Star. It's just going to be itty bitty.
0: Yeah. So let's, um, let's let's, let's, let's do some brainstorming. Um, would love to hear from folks who are listening. What are things that you would identify as essentially star Wars ish star Warsy things like elements without which it wouldn't be star Wars. I will say, um, pilots like flying human, like creatures, sentient creatures, Flying, flying crafts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like being pilots, like you. There's, there's, there's that. That's um, think, think again. Just, I, I, I brought up Star Trek because it's a, you know, it's a common comparison, right? But think of the difference between. There are people in Star Trek who might be skilled at navigation or something like that, but you're nobody. There's nobody in Star Trek who is a pilot in the mm. same way that like. Um, you know, that Han Solo is a pilot, right? right. Um, and that's such an important element in so many things, right? So, okay, so 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 people being pilots, which means if you told a Star Wars story, a Star a story that claimed to be a Star Wars story, and you had, like, all of the vehicles automatically operated by computers and droids, it wouldn't feel... I, I think that would be a thing that, that might,
1: you or know, if be... It's- Entirely on land without star travel, space travel, and starships. Like, yeah, I I feel like that does need to be a part of it. Yeah, at
0: least with it's not that you couldn't have a story that's sort of local in some way, and even 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 if it were exclusively local, but it would have to be. Um, uh, it would there would have to be some involvement there. Adrian, that's a it's a perfectly fine. But let's totally start with the obvious stuff. Lightsabers and the force. Yeah. Now you can have stories that don't involve Jedi and lightsabers, right? Like that's possible though. There aren't all that many of them
1: that no, don't involve it at to, all. And the, and you have to believe that they could pop up at any time and it would make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. So uh, let's just say the force More generally, lightsabers in specific, they certainly are obviously extremely iconic uh, for Star Wars. But again, I don't think I don't think they're essential in the sense that, again, if you had a story in which no lightsaber ever appeared, people would be like, well, that didn't feel like Star Wars to me. Right. Um, But there has. But but the existence of the force. Yes. And that might not matter. It might not be a major plot point. Right. It may not be. But some kind of awareness Mm-hmm. Of the Force, um, right? Uh, Vondiel says Rogue One, right? Yeah. yeah, were there any white sabers at all in Rogue One?
1: I, I at the very end, Darth Vader's when Dar- started- right.
0: Darth Vader comes in at the very end. Yeah, what an entrance!
1: Yeah. Um, but the rest um, of it is almost like a secret. It's a hidden thing, you know. I'm one with the Force. The Force is within me. The the chant that that, yeah. that guy he clearly has some Jedi training or awareness or something. It's enough for right. you to be like it exists in the world. We're still there.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, Yes. Yeah. That it, because the, the, the fact of the existence of the force, the idea Mm. of balance, the uh, ways in which the force flows through everything and ties everything together. If you were to tell a story, which in some way, and I I can't off the top of my head, um, think of a clear and concrete example of a story that would like, completely violate that or would be but 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 some kind of sense of that um uh, I, I do think that that's sort of essential like you can't you couldn't tell a story which would be you think, which would feel alien within the world of the force
1: do you think the visions episode we were just talking about talks about the force
0: it doesn't talk about it I don't think it has to talk about it
1: no it just has to be.
0: Right, it's not it's not a through line in the sense of every story has to be about it. It mm-hmm. but, it but if it were. It's one of the things you can't be discordant with. You can't have a story that's discordant with the. Force.
1: It needs to be able to exist there.
0: So, for yeah. instance, to get, to, let me try to give a concrete example. Um, one of the overarching principles of the Force in Star Wars, as far as I can see, is that um, giving free reign to negative emotion is bad, right? Seeking vengeance out of anger, that is is the dark side of the Force, right? So if you do that, you're... So if you were depicting somebody... um, uh, If you were depicting somebody who... um, If you had, like, Shadows of Mordor in Star Wars world, it wouldn't work there either, is what I'm saying, (laughs) uh, is is what I really want to say. That's the parallel that I want to make. The way in which the Shadows of Mordor video game deviated from the Tolkien ethos is very much the kind of thing that I'm pointing to here. If there were a Star Wars story, a story that claimed to be a Star Wars story, which is simply saying that indulging rage in order to wreak vengeance for a a past suffering is unproblematically great. Mm -hmm. That would be discordant. I think with the whole kind of ethos of the force that has been built through all of the star Wars stuff and would feel weird. That would feel discordant. I think in important ways. So I'm trying to come up with a a, counter example, like of, of what I mean, because it doesn't have to be explicitly about it. Um, uh, uh, Somebody was asking, um, uh, Nerdly Wisdom was asking about um, the Solo movie. Um, does mm-hmm. that touch on the Force at all? I don't remember it being discussed, but again, think about, think for a second about Han Solo's character in the original Star Wars films. He doesn't have, he doesn't, he explicitly disowns all of this, you know, mumbo jumbo, right? And yet, he's also Mr. Never Tell Me The Odds. Right. His own reliance upon luck and fortune and uh, even fortune and glory, right, is not unattached to the force and the flow of the force through him. Um, Hmm. And of course, one of the dramas of uh, his character development over the course of the three films is not his like conversion to a new religion or something, but his understanding and recognition that he was a part like the force was flowing through him all along, right? He's not a Jedi, right? But he begins to see that, like, actually this force crap that the Jedis are always talking about, it's actually a thing, right? And it and it, it, it connects even with me and with what I do. Um, so there's an element of that, as I say, I think fairly prominent element in Han Solo's character development throughout the first three Star Wars films. And some of that element nerdly wisdom is something that I still see them playing with in the solo film. Right. The, um, his reliance upon luck and fortune and, um, is still, um, foresee. Right. Or again, at least it is consistent. Right. It works consistently in the it's the demands that it makes on my own imaginative investment, Are easy to make when I come in with Star Wars parameters. If does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But um, uh, so it it can be really vague, like this again. And I, it's not like the list that I'm talking about, the brainstorming that we're doing to think about these Star Wars elements. It's they're not like a checklist; like you have to have them all, or they have to be a part of the story.
1: And I think my list would be different than your list, but there would be kind of core stuff that you would want to appear in the things to be familiar. Like, you know, when you first said that question, I immediately went to visuals and I would need to have boxes and boxy things and square things and hard edges because there's very few sleek, you know, like when we saw the ships of Naboo, I was like, what is this? Yeah.
0: I was That's just so, thinking that this, the, the so I, I, yes,
1: you know, I, I love the like 1960s, 70s kind of arch- architecture and design that they they worked with, and even in the very modern ones, they kept the big old buttons, you know, like the big old squares. You know?
0: <laughs> yes, and the big you know, levers and things that you're always, yeah, yeah,
1: all very yeah. mechanical, and 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 even in Andor, we saw a lot of that. It's just a lot of big plastic junk pieces that work based. Right not sleek felt aerodynamic even the
0: even the knob that uh grogu is always uh, taking off in the mandalorian right (laughs) this like big clunky threaded knob yeah
1: things don't work you know things constantly shut down you go into hyperspace and it goes you know so yeah that kind of element of the big old piece of junk Mm -hmm. it's that that I feel like that has to be part of it. So that's probably like the gritty industrial you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, um, but yes, and I and oh man, I the when you said the word sleek, the mm. image that appeared in my mind um, uh, was what's her name's ship from Naboo, um, Padme's ship from Naboo. Like when they when uh, when they flew to Coruscant from Naboo, and I'm like that that does not th- like. And notice by the way how they played on this um to an almost extreme degree in the Ardman short right yeah. um you know the good guys the the mother and her daughter are in what is literally a box like a, they call it like a box of junk like a like a like a laundry box what was it it, the... look, it
1: looks like a lunch box like it's not like yes. a board game. it it looks like a a they're called play cool mate Lunchbox.
0: Right. And like literally laundry is falling out of it and stuff, right? Um like and right down. Right, right. Whereas the um uh the ship of the evil bad guys, right, was like sleek and spelt and beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: like a Ferrari in yes. comparison.
0: And you almost always, there is an almost automatic distrust for that. Even the way that, um, so like the, the, the star destroyer, the Imperial star destroyers are still kind of boxy oh, yeah. close up. Right. And but awesome. when you see them from a stuff. distance, they still, yeah, they, they've got all these, yeah. All the, all this, all this Mountains, stuff. Right. And um,
1: and-
0: yeah, but they, um, um, but the, but, but from a, like when you see them from a distance, like in the opening shot of a, of every movie, right? Um, they still look, um, well, they don't look exactly, they're not shiny, they're not like sleek, shiny, but they're, um, and you know, I wonder, do you think, I never thought about this sleekness thing. You're completely right about it though. It really is resonating with me when you're saying that. Do you think that's part of the reason why our generation distrusted the prequels? because they had the good guys flying some pretty sleek ships. Like yeah, think about man. the think about the ships that Anakin and Obi-Wan are flying in like the Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Um uh, the ones that you know with like the that 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 go fit within the rings in order to go into hyperspace the, and everything, they, they, right? I
1: mean, they look like flight of the navigator stuff. They look way more Star Trek than they do Star Wars and Yeah. That's yeah. Bad you know, the, the Enterprise has a very sleek haul, even though it has a lot of stuff within it. It's very sleek, and just right. nothing like Star Wars is. I right. do like, what, what were we just watching? I think it was Mandalorian. Oh, it was, you know, one of the more recent uh, Star Wars ones on, on Disney. But you see that ship again, and that really clocked, where I was like, oh, Naboo's here. So yes. now there's a tie to it. I right. understand that ship exists in my world, but it right. didn't exist then, so it was really jarring. So, I think there are a yep. lot of things fed into that trilogy being problematic, but that's probably one of them.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, it, that is that is really interesting. And and again, what you were just saying is so fascinating because it also it does help perhaps to explain your expectation the um the boxiness, unslinkness, like the Millennium Falcon trained us right. That like all of the best and most trustworthy ships are held together by duct tape. Like, yeah. if there's something that is like high end and then it's evil, possibly actively evil, but at least probably not trustworthy, right? Yeah. Um, because a lot and, of money,
1: works, but we don't trust money.
0: Exactly, we don't trust money, um, <laughs> and that's exactly what Mrs. Manrik was just saying. S- sleek denotes power and money. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but but again later on once that sort of becomes accepted now that like those that sleek silver needle ship from naboo is now just a naboo thing right um and now it just you know so you see it like you see a ship like that i you know i see a ship like that in the cone wars and i'm immediately like oh they're from naboo okay like now i it's just it's it's it's, it's part of the world building so if you're if you enter into that now i still think though that there is still something important important in the Star Wars th- through line about mm-hmm. the whole ships held together by duct tape thing mm-hmm. right um, That does seem to be an important part of the ethos. Um, it is fundamentally it is, it, is, it is fundamentally an underdog story right it's a, and it's about underdog stories like the people in pa- this is one of the things that is always which the early films I think did not do successfully but which things like the Clone Wars do much more successfully, which is explore the tension of when the good guys were in power in the Republic, when the Jedi Council is in power in the in the Republic before the rise of the Empire, there's this tension, right, between the good guys who have the money and resources and are in, you know, the good guys have the money and resources and are in charge, right? And the bad guys are, like, in some way, the the scrappy insurgents, right? trying. But it can't, if you just reversed it, it wouldn't work at all. Like it would feel like it, it, I, that. I, that would feel totally alien. So they don't do it that way, right? Instead, they have the Republic being manipulated from within, um, uh, so that the, the Empire was always in power in a sense, right? There's a sense in which the Empire was always in power. It just wasn't officially the Empire yet. Um right. But they have to explore that. And I've, the Clone Wars at several points does, I think, a really interesting job of exploring that tension because there is a real like when the Republic and the Jedi are just throwing resources at stuff, right? It's uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. there is there's a, there's a discomfort that I think is very profitably um, uh, utilized in the storytelling, uh, in, in the clone war show in particular, um, that I thought was really interesting. And again, but, but, but it plays on this, this thing, right. The, and obviously the, um, the, uh, the, what were they called? First order in the sequel films, right. Um, one of my biggest problems, uh, for, One of the things that gave my, that challenged my secondary belief in the, in the, in the sequel films most, that most pushed me back on just actively suspending disbelief as hard as I could was how on earth is the first order funded? Mm. Like, how is it that the first order suddenly as this like sort of rogue element in the first film? Where do they get their funding? Like, why are they? Why do they seem to be operating with all of the resources of the old empire, when they're like a splinter group, right? And so, I mean, that, that that was a huge problem for me. It's like on the one hand, it worked in the sense of like, oh, so the good guys who are now theoretically in charge are the scrappy underdogs again. Like, this all feels like it works on one level, except with my brain. Like, my heart liked it, but my brain did not like it, you know, because I couldn't handle it. Um, um,
1: I feel like you just described the problem with all adaptation reactions. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing, like, when you're talking to, like, creators, that's the, the really difficult part to get across. Like, head and heart have to work together. So heart right. is expected a head needs to make sense of B, and you're going to yeah. throw are at me
0: like come on <laughs> right right yeah no it's it is one so i mean and this is so what i mean yeah picking back exactly on that this is why i think it is right to think of every star wars production every Star Wars production really since the first three films, the first three films I'm willing to sort of accept as a unit as like a primary text in some sense. But I think that every other film from the sequels from the prequels to the sequels, to all of the shows and everything else that has happened, it's all adaptation, right? There are ways it is, it is all, it, it is all fill in the blanks. It is also modulation in some ways, but it's, it's almost a different kind of, um, Uh, of adaptation, but I think I'm, but I'm so glad we had this conversation because it really helps me to think through because again, all of this is relevant to other adaptations as well.
1: And all of it's constantly telling me that there's a problem with the terminology of adaptation that we really must revisit and put a book together or something because This is definitely where you would start to talk about the definition of close adaptation, loose adaptation, things like that. But this, that doesn't work with this. No, it
0: doesn't work. And even my three categories are, I think are failing me a little bit because Mm. my three categories, all of them still assume there is a source text, right? And it's a question of how you're related to the source text, but what, what if, when there isn't a source text, what if you're just, yeah
1: and the world we're getting into. I mean definitely Star Wars, but Marvel's doing the same thing. DC's doing the same thing. Absolutely. You know? We Absolutely. know Harry Potter's thinking about going down that road. We know yes. we're going we to see some different reiterations of Tolkien in the near future. Like yep. this this is a known thing. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going
1: to have problems.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um uh yeah, I I um I think that my three, my original three categories were almost unconsciously insisting too much on the source text. Well, I mean, they were the answer to the question I was asking, which was how are adaptations related to the source text? But what about when they're not? What about when there isn't a source text? Exactly. Um, and the problem is the categories are not exclusive anymore. That is to say this kind of adaptation, if we're talking about, um, I don't know, like an ethos adaptation, or, or whatever, however we would characterize this. When you're just trying to tell a story that fits within the ethos of this world, right? It is um, fill in the blanks in one sense, but it's. I mean, again, like the "I Am Your Mother" short by Ardman is. There's no. There wasn't a blank that was, you know, there wasn't like, oh, I've always wanted to know that story. Let's tell that story. That's never been told. That's what a fill-in-the-blank story does generally, right? Um, That's what the Rings of Power is doing. That's what the War of the Rohirrim is going to be doing when that's released. Um, So, but, but this is not, this is just, we're going to tell a story in that world, but it can be a world that you've never seen before, you know? Yeah.
1: And but it, it kind of also scratches the itch of this the, the gap you did want filled, you just didn't know it was a gap, but it's not a gap we know. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. it fits in and as is as satisfying as one of those gap stories. Yeah. But it's not a gap story.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it um also I would say one of the things that I think is so much fun about adaptation of a source text, like when you do have a source text, one of the things that I think is so much fun is the way in which that relationship between the adaptation and the source text um, invites really interesting inquiry and discovery of both, right? Both of them illuminate each other in, in really interesting ways. And this is the thing that I keep wanting to say to Tolkien fans, and I I, I I don't think I'm going to convince people. It doesn't matter if the adaptation is good or not. It still has this effect. A bad adaptation will illuminate things, sometimes just by contrast. I mean, like, when you're watching a bad adaptation and saying they completely missed the boat on this thing, well, your understanding of and appreciation of that thing is likely to improve by contrast, by, you know, as you're working through and saying, gosh, they really missed the boat on this, why is that important? Why do I care about that so much? Why do I think that that's such an essential miss on their part? You are now thinking through the original text in ways that you weren't ever before and even if there were things you did appreciate, you're now going to be appreciating them in new ways that you never saw before. That
1: is such a beautifully optimistic way to look at it.
0: Really crappy. <laughs> but so. it's I mean it's true there were so many things in like in exactly. really bad adaptations.
1: Yeah. But I also feel like we should still validate. You're allowed to be mad because it's well, a missed yeah. like, You don't have the- to
0: like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You yeah. get kind of up in arms about like e- people want to use words like massacre and, you know, <laughs> right. and all these things that are really difficult. I feel that I feel that hard. Susan Cooper seeker. What the hell? Well, you know, right. But, but right. the fact that, and get some some good out of it. I'm I'm a big fan of <laughs> even
0: even I mean even if you, you could probably sit down and come up with a list, it might be intemperately expressed. But you mm-hmm. could probably come up with a list of here are the top five things that they missed about Susan Cooper in that adaptation, right? Easily, and exactly. that the 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 way in which that bad adaptation is going to trigger you to yeah. point to those things may it, it introduce you to think those things through in ways that you would never have articulated before you it had that
1: starts to really clarify this checklist you know so if there yeah. is something that really makes you mad it's like oh because that is important and isn't that a handy thing for a creator to know ahead of this you know so when you this is what i mean when it's like it's still shocking to me that they don't work more with people like us or people that are able yeah. to do some of the analysis ahead of the development that you want to bring them in and say, here's the script. What do you think? Well, you're doing this thing. People are really going to bulk because right. Tell me why. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it would be, um, it is fun and will continue to be fun to do lots of this kind of analysis after the fact. Um, I, Golly, was- wouldn't it be fun to be involved in more discussions before productions are being made? Like, could we have
1: this discussion earlier on? And think how much more money they would make if they just thought it through.
0: And this yeah. isn't to say, uh, like, you know, we are so much better at making movies than they are. If they had only consulted us, they would have done so much better. That that's not it at all. It's just this is a kind of thinking that, um, often movie makers and, and, uh, uh, and, you know, and and TV make, they're just, they're not, this this is not the ways that they tend to think, uh, often. Because they
1: just want to tell a good story. So they're just going to try to put together a good story. And that's questionable depending on who's in the room and audience and all that. But if you're putting together a good story, that's different from the expectation. It that's, that's really always the battle expectation versus what they actually see. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a nod nameless arcane. I'm talking online about rings of power has gotten me so much deeper into Tolkien. Same, you know, like Tolkien's always been something I loved, but really digging into rings of power and this adaptation process through it has given me so much more insight into Tolkien himself and the original works and, you know, all the things that you guys know way more than I do. It's yeah. been fantastic. So yeah,
0: no, it's, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, more than anything else, I think it's sort of one of the, I think it's one of the, I, you know, I get, you know, I think back on my own reflection of my, you know, my journey from, um, uh, just complaining about the Peter Jackson films originally, um, right. feeling how much my own in talking about the films as has it been inevitable, you know, over the last 20 years, um, I've been well aware of how those conversations have enriched my understanding of Tolkien. It's not, it's not about like I saw the movies and all of a sudden Tolkien was open to me in ways that it, it's not like that. Right. It's about the discussions and which again is true of the Hobbit films as well. Like my, I, there are so many things that I see much more clearly about the Hobbit and the Hobbit's relationship to the Lord of the Rings than I did before the Mm -hmm. Hobbit films. Um, and to that I owe the all the discussion of the Hobbit films the analysis that we did the discussion and anticipation the discussions that we've had since then um uh but yeah yeah um anyway um
1: I love that we thought we were just going to touch on Star Wars and we're like nah we just scraped (laughs) the surface but yeah Yeah. there's there is so much more and I know a couple of folks were mentioning Andor. I I think that's one of the best Star Wars things. Andor and Rogue One are like the best I've mm-hmm. ever seen. And I use it classes all the time for examples. I would love to do a dig into that. I have to rewatch it though, and you need to finish it. So
0: I need to finish it, yeah. Um yeah. and I will say I I, I finally did finish I know I I finally finished Clone Wars. Um I I, I haven't have a- done Clone Wars. Huge respect for Clone Wars. Um, cool. Really huge, especially as that as that went on, it was um, uh, it was phenomenal. Like it was, it was it was it was it was what I found most fascinating there. Because see, that's one where there almost was a source text, except its relationship to the source text is so interesting and complicated. The source text is Revenge of the Sith, um, and the. Project of saying of doing a fill in the blanks adaptation, which is literally filling in the time in between um, uh, Attack of the Clones and uh, and the Revenge of the Sith. Um, So it's filling in the blanks, but the way in which it um, recontextualizes—it's like when the Clone Wars were started, you knew the Revenge of the Sith was a terrible movie. Like you knew it was not successful as a piece of storytelling. Right. So how do you take that existing story and reinvent that story? It's like seven seasons of television designed to transform a bad story into a good story Mm -hmm. because it does all of this, the character building and stuff that, that now like, you know, by far the biggest in my mind by far the biggest reason revenge of the sith was 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 a failure as a story is that i was not in any way compelled by the narrative of anakin's fall right this was the whole we all knew right that was the premise of the prequel series is like let's see the journey of anakin skywalker and answer the question how does anakin skywalker come to be darth vader right that's Mm -hmm. obviously the fun and And that's where they failed ultimately for me, because the, the conversion moment of Anakin in the revenge of the Sith is so unconvincing where he just flips the switch and goes from, I have these inclinations to I'm gonna go kill the younglings. Uh, I mean, it's, I I cannot follow along with him. Like it just does not land. Um, But the Clone Wars, you get seven seasons of Anakin's projection. I mean, you get, I mean, each one is a little less than half an hour long, but we're looking at, uh, what, 60 hours maybe of narrative, right? That, um, uh, that connects those two dots, the dots of where Anakin is in, in Attack of the Clones too, um, with, you know, the building of Anakin and Padme's relationship, the um, the 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 experience that he has during the course of the war, um, the way oh man the way that they the way that they set up and prepared for uh, Executive Order sixty six um, mm. and the 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 turning of the clones oh man like it is so powerful when it happens and the final four episodes of this of the show are happening contemporaneously with the events. Of the Revenge of the Sith, but Anakin and Obi Wan and Mace Windu, like none of the major characters that are in it are in the show at that point. It's uh, it, the um, Ahsoka okay. Tano, who is who is uh, uh, Anakin's um, uh, Padawan, are um, uh, is the is the, the 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 chief character in that arc, um, and we hear things happening, right? Like you know we're we're told that uh, oh you know like there's like the 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 Jedi Council is going to go confront. Palpatine, right, um, and we know that that's the scene when Anakin turns, um, and you know uh, Obi Wan is headed to I forget the name of the planet that he's going to because of the no to confront General Grievous, and like, and I remember like that's when the clones turn, like it is then is um, so I, so I knew that, and all of these clones that we've known that have been primary characters, they're like really good characters, um, and it's like. The, the heartbreak of knowing that these people that we have come to know and love over the course of the show are going to turn right. Ooh. And are now going to try to murder the Jedi. Oh man. It is, um, uh, it's really powerful. It's so fascinating. that the, the, that, that whole exercise was and the, really, the, really, really interesting.
1: I know we keep saying exercise, but that's just what it feels like. This is an incredible creative exercise. And yes. I, I like that the creators are now opening up to that. And like, you know the whole purpose of doing visions was to just expand international partnership that's such a like corporate line for, right right so creative you know yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: really cool.
0: exactly the, the 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 kind of embracing of like the go- global community of star wars that that visions seems to represent i think is it's a it's a really fun thing and as you say it's it is it is it is almost exactly like a kind of exercise you know given in school right here's oh, your is, premise Yeah.
1: and especially now age-wise when you think about the people that are creators now are the ones that were absolutely inspired in the 70s by the originals then yeah you're having a whole lot of fan service pulled in by yes. people who are now artistic professionals in their field which is yeah so watch
0: by the way we're out of time now but that's a topic i want to discuss the we've talked about um there are several like commonly used phrases that you you hear all the time in reaction and, uh, and discourse online discourse. Um, a lot of today's discussion is about that. Like it doesn't feel like, or it does feel like, right. What does that mean? Um, I want to talk about the phrase fan service. Mm. What are the, ba- what does that mean? What are the boundaries of it? It's when is it good? When is it bad?
1: All right, let's put a pin in that, but I yeah. think that we'll talk about, let's, let's,
0: let's talk about that.
1: it's kind of like buzzword, but it does fill a gap that needed to be filled. So like, I think it's a really useful term with a potentially very muddy definition still because we're figuring out what that means, but yeah, a lot of people use it as a slur, you know, like, oh, it's just fan service, fan service, same way. Oh, it's just fan fiction. Yup. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> it's all fan fiction.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, let's 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 definitely come back. To, you know, we need at some point to start like actively uh, compiling a like a glossary, yeah. know, of like terms we've discussed, some terms we've developed, some terms we've just kind of scrutinized. So we had
1: a volunteer at one point that was going to help us do that. We need we need to refocus on that and and pull some of this together. Everybody gets a writer's credit. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly now let's do some kind of community thing uh, that would be that'd be fun anyway all right but meanwhile gotta let folks go getting late for Maggie and uh, uh, getting to be dinner time around here so uh, better run thanks everybody for joining us really fun uh, Star Wars discussion obviously we haven't finished Star Wars but it was nice to we, we, we've kept sneaking Star Wars in as examples and illustrations of things and it was good to just kind of sit down and look at it a little bit more systematically um, cool. and the visions thing is really cool. I, I, you know, folks who have access to that, I encourage you to, to, to look at that. It's, it wasn't something that was on my radar because I've been focusing on filling my gaps. Like I finished Clone Wars, just started Rebels actually. So I'm watching Rebels now. Um, so there are all these things, these gaps that I'm trying to fill. And so I, I, I overlooked visions at first. It was really great to learn more about it. I'm going to be, go back and finish all that. Uh, yeah, I'm going
1: to be falling through that rabbit hole this week, which I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Thank awesome you guys. Bye now. Bye.